Welcome to the Ruchi Strengthcast. Dan and Paul are the owners of one of the largest powerlifting gyms in the world, Ruchi's Gym, and are experienced powerlifting coaches. Join them as they discuss and debate all things powerlifting and strength training with some fun stuff thrown in. For more information, visit ruchisgym.com. Morning, Paulie. Good morning. Next podcast. So, look, before we get into the nuts and bolts of today's podcast, which is going to be, be about progression in the sport of powerlifting, and we're talking about progression pathways in the sport, but before we get to that, let's just have a wrap-up of what's happening, been happening over the last week here at the gym. Well, we've uh, just had the GPC push-pull. We did indeed. Um, which is our second event in uh, Ruchi Gym V4, and it's also the final event for this year. Yeah, man. Um, it's been the a massive... final event of the decade. Okay, yeah. All right. I see what you've done, I see what you've done there. Okay. Um, yeah, massive year of comps this year. Was it, it was 12, yeah? I'm pretty sure it was 12. 12, I think. Massive. Obviously, with the move as well, it was big. So the push-pull wasn't a huge meet. It never normally is. We only had one flight of lifters, but still some very good lifting. Yanni's 320 attempt there at the end there yeah, was great, very, very close. Great, great, great time. It was actually a great, really good flight of lifting, to be honest. Um, it's funny, like the push-pull and even just single lifts, lifting in general is starting. I don't, I don't think it's really getting any more popular. In fact, I think it's probably the reverse. People are looking for... Um, three lift meets, they're putting in a lot of work in training um, and they prefer to obviously realize that effort in a three lift meet. Yeah, exactly. So, look, I think one year we got almost 60 here, but our whole team got behind it. That's right. This year, not Even so I much. Be, I was in competing in that one, so... <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I remember. Remember that? Yeah. Yes, we've got the photos, those photos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Let's get rid of them. <laughs> But um, also what's happened... That was though, a fatter version of me. It was. You were in the 90s. Bloody. I was like 97 or something, man. Damn, boy. Yeah. We also uh, got the new Matrix Glute Trainer in the gym this week. Oh, right. Yep, yep. And look, it's something we have been considering and we've been looking at a couple of different variations of this from different I mean, manufacturers. I, don't, I, I think the, the Glute Trainer is good. The, you know, obviously loaded hip extension. Getting using a getting a barbell out honestly, it's just more effort than what it's worth. If you ask me, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, look, it is a pain, it's in, a pain the in the ass. ass. <laughs> Literally and figuratively speaking, the glute trainer is actually a pain in the ass. Yeah, been used. I've used it a couple of times this week. Yeah, I, uh, I've used it once uh, last week with a superset with reverse lunges. It was ooh, good. Ooh, that's brutal. Yeah, I like, I like really hammering my lower body. Yeah, look, it is actually a great piece of equipment because it does make it easier to set up. You know that that particular oh, it's movement, very easy, yeah. rather than having to mess around with a barbell, which also can end up being dangerous for someone not as experienced. So it means that you can actually get them on there, and it's just a bit safer to use as well, which is handy. It's definitely not as awkward, that's for sure. I like it. I, look, I'll be honest. In my own training, I avoid do, doing um, any sort of glute bridge like that with a barbell because I can't be bothered. Yeah, fair enough. I just I can't be bothered setting it up. Yeah, I, personally, I, I agree. I think it's more effort to set up than what the actual exercise is worth when there's other. Um, exercises where you can load up hip, hip extension and this is a good one actually the, the, the glute bridge machine is a good one yeah it's nice so we got that also we had two more deadlift platforms come in yeah which Jesse Ray um, has made to perfection once again just need to get them um, kitted out with the wooden rubber yeah 
but um, that pretty much almost completes our warm-up area. We're just waiting on the, the delivery of the new uh, AMFX monos. The three, there's, there's three more monos coming in, so that'll complete the warm-up area. Which yeah, is I think that's awesome. enough for, for a while. Yeah, I think we have spent enough money on equipment for a while. There's plenty in there. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. That's bigger than most people's gyms. Yeah, it's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit stupid, to be honest, but look, we love it, don't we? It's sure. pretty cool. Um, also, we like having a you know an extensive range of equipment for our team because we do have a big team. Yep. So it means that they can train optimally without you know wasting too much time. So which is pretty handy. Anything else happened this week apart from the usual? Um, honestly, it's just starting to starting to feel normal around here again, which is actually nice. Um, you yeah. know, obviously, you know the fallout from um, moving and nationals and everything. So and it's nice just to sort of settle in V four and. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, I agree. Actually, this week and even last week, at least it started to feel like you, like you said, just normal again. Yeah. And I think it's going to take us a few months to sort of settle into it. Yeah, yeah. And just get used to everything, you know. So no, nah, it's um, it's good. Anyway, we are going to be talking about progression in the sport today, which is a topic that Paul and I talk about quite a lot. Actually, we talk about how does a lifter progress from so let's say a beginner through to elite. Uh, it's more about how the lifter progresses through the actual sport itself. You know, yeah, I'm not, in, I'm not into the um, you know elite, you know, beginner, intermediate, advanced, elite type stuff. For me, it's more about progression into different levels of championships. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. So today we're going to be talking about the actual pathways in the sport. Yep, and they're a little bit different for the federations and they can look a little bit different individually as well depending on the decisions you make in terms of federations and what competitions you want to enter yeah some are more formal than others and so which you know pros and cons and all that absolutely so look initially i guess and not just for athletes also for personnel coaches we want to try and tackle this from not just the lifters perspective but also coaching progression how does a coach progress through there's other support personnel as well. Referees also have a progression. Absolutely. So everyone involved in the sport needs to progress. So for even the competitions themselves. So in, for example, in the rule books, I'm not sure about the IPF one, but in the GPC one, it has information, a lot of minimum requirements on the warm-up period based on the level of competition. Yeah, that's the Australian rule book. All right. So a local competition... That doesn't say that in the international GPC rule No, but our rule book here does yeah, so which that, i think is is good because yeah. it gives this um meet directors uh, sort of a standard that have to they have to adhere to which also means that in australia the gbc can also provide minimum levels of competition um yeah so there is like yeah. a progression even just in which is like good which is equipment good. available in the warm-up room which Correct. is and yeah. also space, the size, size of the warm-up room yeah. so that's all that's i actually really like that because i think as the the competition progresses in terms of like you know from beginners to let's say nationals and world championships i think the actual competition as a whole also needs to take the next step up yeah you know so i think that's really important but look we're going to try and tackle this from a few angles from a lifter's perspective obviously paul and i get to talk to a lot of new people coming into the sport and a lot of them have similar questions like where do i go from here how many times should i do a novice comp what federation should i go into and to be honest it is definitely um, based on the individual individual it circumstances. Yeah. I mean, we also use, um, you know, with our clients in, in part of our goal-setting strategies, we look at what events they might like to do and how we qualify for those events and the timing of those events as well. Yeah. 
um, which we'll talk about a little bit as well. Exactly. So look, I guess if we start right at the beginning, new lifter comes into the sport, they don't know what to do, right? Um, the start is obviously in terms of powerlifting is to try and find um, a novice competition to jump into. And yeah, I think any sort of local sort of level competition is perfect to start. Yep. Um, and I think sort of at your entry level, you can do quite a few meets a year. Yeah, that's right. So obviously we run three to four novice competitions here at Ruchi's Gym every year and they always sell out and it's a great experience because you just get to see a whole bunch of new people get introduced to the sport. And mostly it's actually people who've never done a a meet before. Yeah, sometimes you get repeats, but you know, and that's okay. Sometimes it takes people two, maybe three novice comps to sort of then decide where they fit into the sport yeah. and if it fits into their own lives and if it's actually something they want to continue long term a novice competition is a great stepping stone the barrier to entry is very low you don't need to wear a soft suit um, you don't have to have a, a membership for, for a federation it's literally a, a gym meet um, and you just have to pay the entry fee but even local sort of entry level sanctioned meets are fairly well I mean there's no qualification there's no expectations no but the barrier they have to pay a membership yeah. If yeah. someone just wants to try the sport, a novice comp is a great... Yeah, that's true. But a, someone, a someone may have already way. decided on, on which federation they'd like to lift in. Yeah, look, I guess. Why are you being difficult? A I'm novice not. comp, you are being difficult. Stop it. <laughs> Most people are not sure what federation. And even if they are, a novice comp is a great segue. If into, someone's been lifting for five years, they already know about powerlifting. They may not have done a meet, but they may have already decided on what sanctioned event they might want to do. Look, in that case, sure. I, I understand. So you would either do a novice comp or you would just choose a local meet, whether it yeah. be, um, you know, and choose your federation. Obviously here, um, we run the GPC and we run the APU. So you can become a member of either yeah. or both. You can or actually both. join both and compete locally in both, which is actually a really um, yeah, you can great thing. Lo- it's, it's great. Yeah. And the reasons that someone would choose a federation would, you know, there's a few different factors. Uh, one is the APU as the IPF affiliate has drug testing. That's a big factor. And also another factor is some people just like the equipment or the style of powerlifting. So in the GPC, we use the specialty um, bars. We have the monolift. You're allowed knee wraps in the squat. You know, you're allowed to be on your toes for the bench. You're allowed to have your head pop up off the bench during the bench press. So, and in the IPF, you know, combo, walkout squats, knee sleeve only, same bar for all lifts. So it also depends on the style of powerlifting you like to, to do. Yeah. Some of us love the specialty gear, some don't. Some are real purists. So I'll be honest, I really hate using the squat bar. I do find it uncomfortable. It just doesn't feel nice on my back. But. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, there's pros and cons like anything, right? Of course. You know, but um, look, in terms of progression, you might start at a novice meet or a local comp. And if you're working with a coach, they will help you then decide how you progress through the sport. Um, the first thing you want to do is... Uh, obviously improve the quality of lifter you are so obviously the appropriate training and coaching and then you would look at going into a local state championship after you've done um say a local meet now currently here in wa uh we don't have any qualifying standards for the state championships in the gpc in the apu however poorly yeah so this or starting in 2020 um we are introducing qualification standards for state championships. So a lifter must compete in a local competition. They must put up the qualifying grade, which means basically a minimum total in their weight category. 
um, to qualify for state championships. Yep. And then the state championship then becomes the qualification or the primary qualification event for the national championships. Yep. Um, and then the national championships becomes a qualification event for world championships and other regional championships. Yep. So and obviously the standard goes up every time. Absolutely. So if you're wondering what Paul's talking about, so if you actually go to the APU website and can you find the grading scales on there, Paul? Yeah. If you, I think if you go into championships grading and scaling, yep. there's, a, there's a grading scale which um, basically lets you know sort of basically in a nutshell the total you need to qualify for a particular level of championship in a weight class in a way in any category yeah yeah so that's really useful so you know in the apu locally here in wa you have to compete in a local apu meet so there's the wa open or the um what's the other one uh we have the um apu wa cup and the apu perth open so you've got two local meets to put up a qualifying total if you make the cut then you could qualify for states that's your first step that's the first progression, really, is it qualifying is. for your state championships it locally. Yep. Now, in the GPC currently here in WA, we don't have a qualifying standard, so you can literally just enter the state championships. However, it is something I definitely would like to consider implementing maybe in 2021 where we would use the grading scale or perhaps a different method of qualification mm-hmm. where you had to actually qualify for the state championships because I think the state championships now is at a point where it's big enough and there's depth there's enough depth where we can introduce qualification i mean i'll be honest i, I was initially I'm, I'm i'm for the apu especially i'm still against introducing the qualification from local to states only because i i feel that only needs to be in play once for example the state championships is big enough yes now, I in the GBC, agree to you point. have a two-day state championships and you know it may get to a point maybe in, in the one to three year period where it's more you, you know you don't want to go more than two days for a state championship no. so once you have that then you would definitely introduce some sort of grading system in apu we still have a one day championships and even then it's not a full day so i i personally think that it has been a bit premature but that's my opinion regardless, regardless if someone wants to be in the apu state championships they need to qualify correct correct i mean the grading scale is one way to do it. The other way to do it is just to tally everyone in their weight classes and invite the top tier lifters in each weight class so you can fill a whole day of lifting. Similar to what GPC Nats has done over the last couple of years. Yeah, that which is which is fine. The only I mean there's pros and cons for both. If you use a grading scale, you always make sure you have a minimum standard. Yes, absolutely. If you just take the top 10, the top 5 might be great and the bottom 5 might be sort of sub the grade. Yeah, you know, the grade that you would normally there, there definitely is a pro and con, but at least the pro is you can have a full meet. I agree with that. I well, mean, that that's the, that's the pro. You that's, know, that's the pro. And the con is obviously you leave a lot of people out, and the meet becomes just too small. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes this year. It should be interesting. Yeah. So guys, lo- if you're listening, so locally, the GPC State Championships, you do not have to qualify for. You can literally just enter. My advice is enter it. You want to get involved in as much powerlifting as you can as early on in your powerlifting career as possible. It's also a higher level meet than one of your local comps. Yeah, you put yourself under a bit more pressure, which helps. You become better. You have to step outside of your comfort zone, obviously, to improve. And so in the APU, there is a qualifying process. This year, there wasn't. Um, But starting from next year, starting from 2020, there's qualifying qualification steps from local right up to regional yep. international no so you can already yep. see with the two federations there's two different processes already 
And that's just for lifters. Yeah. Now, going from a state championships to a national championships, I'll explain the way we do it in GPC. Yep. So in GPC, what happens is all the local events in each state, um, your t- total will get put on into a, a list of everyone else in your weight class, and obviously from highest total to lowest total. And then what we do is we invite the top tier lifters in each weight class to fill up nationals. Yep. Um, and normally our nationals is three days, 180 lifters. So we invite, you know, obviously the middle weight classes are the ones that have the most depth and more lifters get invited in those middle tier weight classes. Yep. That's and right. that's how we do it in, in GPC. We don't use the grading scale. We just invite the top lifters in each weight class yeah, based I, on the results think, of that I year. I think that's, it's, it's actually not a bad way of doing it. Again, the only con is that you get people going to a national level event where they really no, would normally be below the grade. Again, though, at least it fills nationals up and yeah. it gets people involved. 100%. So that's why more, I think is that that's actually a pro. I think. It's more inclusive. Yeah, yeah, it's more inclusive. It also means if there's lots of depth, it means that the the, quali- the, the qualifying totals or the, to- the minimum totals are higher than the grades. Well, that's right. You could even have a higher So it actually works both ways. Time, a higher standard. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, the, the way that state team selections are done for, for, for nationals... Um, almost guarantees quite a high standard anyway because each state team we're limited to the number of lifters we can select in each weight category yeah um so in that way it almost um guarantees you the highest quality of lifter is going to national level event yeah now in the apu uh, it's the qualification for nationals is done a little bit differently poorly as the state wa coach is responsible for picking the state team so it works a little bit differently from the GPC. And I actually like the way the APU do this. I think it's definitely something that GPC could do. So, I mean, the, way, when the APU have reintroduced state models. So now we have state branches. Um, we have state representation with different roles. Um, and we have state teams. The state teams are selected from local. They're really selected from state championship performances. And as a state coach, for example, in the opens, I'm only allowed to allowed to select a, s- a maximum number of lifters um, for male and female to a maximum of two people in any one weight class. So there's a limit on how... Basically, there's a limit of um, eight men, eight female, with a maximum of two in any weight class. Yeah. Uh, and basic, the, the selections are based on performance, um, from the state championships. It's also performance and also how they fare in their individual weight classes on a national level, right? Because you're looking to accumulate the most points as yeah, possible. Yeah, so as a state coach, my job is to select a team where I, I, well, I could possibly accumulate the most championship points, which accrue towards um, state championship awards and medals and, and, and all that type of thing. Yeah. Um, it is true that I do look at um, their performance nationally as well. Um, so just because someone hit a gold medal at, at state championships in a category, that's great. But if they're 15th ranked in Australia, they're unlikely to get a medal at nationals. So I'm probably better off inviting a second um, lifter from another weight category that has a higher national rank because they've got a better chance of... Yeah. Well, they can accrue more championship points. Yeah. I really like the model. It's good. Yeah. It works quite well. Yeah. Um, so if you are lifting in the APU or are interested in lifting the APU, you can also speak to Paul about this if you're not 100% sure. Um, but then again, the states to national, then progressing to nationals is a little bit different between GPC and 
the APU. Yeah. Now, other federations that do exist literally use the the GPC model, kind of. Um, the APU have a kind of a unique model, I think. From what I've seen, there is no qualifications to enter for nationals. It's no. If you want to go, you can go. Yeah, pretty much every other federation um, outside of PA, I'm pretty sure you can just rock Correct. up to nationals. I don't yeah, think yeah. there actually is a qualifying standard. And to be honest, that's just because the federations are small. Yeah, and right. so they encourage as many people to, to do nationals as possible. Yeah, and as they grow, that'll just they'll have gradings and qualifications that filter down. And this is when progression in the sport is important. As the federations grow... It's more important to have qualification standards so that progression in the sport is made possible because I think it's really important that lifters earn the right to lift yeah. at states, at nationals, at worlds. It makes the whole thing meaningful, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, which I think is important. There should be a progression path, not only for athletes, but for you know support personnel, which we can talk about as well. But I think it makes the whole thing meaningful. It gives people goals that they can strive for. Um, so I think that I really like the way the APU's gone in terms of state models um, and grading and qualification. I think that we're a little bit premi, especially here in WA, because we can um, we can really run a lot of lifters in one day quite efficiently. I think we're a bit premi in WA in regards to the um, state championship qualification. But you know it is what it is. So that's fine. Uh, we'll still run it and everything. We'll see how it goes next year. Yeah. Look, at least it's standard across the ball, across all of yeah, Australia. Yeah, it should definitely be standard. So see, I mean, at the moment, good. for example, in the GPC in Queensland, I'm yeah. pretty sure that Scott has introduced a qualification. For next year? Um, I think even this year he had some sort of qualification okay. system in place. Yeah, so, I mean, but but again, that's because... The depth. The, the, manly, the amount of people they have. He doesn't want to have a five-day state championship. No, of course not. Um, so I get that in a way. Yeah. Um, see here, we, we're sort of on the flip side in that we can handle a lot of lifters, but they're introduced. We've introduced a, a qualification system now, where we don't really need a qualification system because, like, I mean, we're not even at a two-day state championship yet. No, that's right. So there's still plenty of capacity to run yeah. more lifters. We, we are still um, in talks. Um, about, for example, exempting lifters who've done the national championships. So they get a free ticket straight to the state championships in the next year, just yeah. so they don't have to do that extra comp. That's good. But there has been a lot of, um, let's say, talk on the internet about people having to do that extra comp. And what I say to those people who think they might find it difficult is you need to start prioritizing your events, your competitions. Um, if you pick any, any big sport, they don't go balls to the wall on every event day or every game they play they slowly up the ante and they give 110 percent on the on the meat exactly you bring a good point paul and this is something that i talk to our lifters about a lot you don't always have to go 100 110 percent at every comp no if for example you want to qualify for nationals just get the get the scale at states you just need to put up the qualifying total enough that's going to get you an invite the problem is with the gbc that's kind of hard to do because you never know what the qualification grade is. No, look, sure, there's some people that's the advantage of the APU. You get, you know what total you need to make the grade. Well, I mean, in the GPC, at least you can look at the current um, qualifying list. I know, but it changes, especially when you got states running, and every week. Yeah. I remember, you know, at the beginning of the year, they're always changing and updating. No, which it is, is cool. it is more difficult. But look, yeah. if you're a top tier lifter. You know that you're not going to have to perform at 100% to get an invite. Yeah, I, I realise that. That's what I'm talking about. But I mean, like, 
at the first local comp, right? And we really talk, let's say the first local comp just to get the states. You don't really, you, you could, most like lifters who are sort of national level could go 60 to 65% and they would make the qualification grade to states. To states. And that's what I mean. Like people are getting all worried that they're, they're not going to be able to do all these meets in one year. Mind you, most of them are talking about three meets. And if you can't do three meets in one year, I think you need to like restructure your perhaps training and periodization. Um, but the first meet can be like a training session. All you need to do That's is right. get that grade D, which is very low to get to states. Okay, I agree. But then the argument might be, well, why do it at all? Why not just let them qualify straight through based yeah, on the previous well, year's result? That's another argument. Um, I think that will that would change, for example, if like in the GPC, they limit the amount of lifters. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Now, that... And now that only really occurs from local to state. When you go from state to nationals, to make the state team, basically you have to you have to be on that podium. You have to have at least a gold or a silver medal to have a chance. So you still have to perform quite well. Mm-hmm. But from state, uh, from local to state, you just need D grade because there's obviously no team selection and there's no minimum numbers in or there's no maximum numbers yeah. in weight categories and stuff. So I get that from the local to state, like, it's like, cool, I've got to do a D grade, but I'm like an E2 lifter. Like, it's basically just a waste of time. Yeah. It's not, a, it's, you know, you know, it's a nothing meet. But in saying that, they can, like you said, you can use it as a training session. You don't need a huge preparation for no. it. And one of the arguments I've heard for this is that um, they want those um they want the top tier lifters to start doing some local comps so that local people can see them lift and then i'm like but they're not going to go balls to the wall anyway yeah like they're not going to go 110 percent. so they're going to be they're going to get like a c grade just to make you know yeah. what i mean so i mean really you they may be lifting but they're not they really lifting? lifting they're not really lifting so yeah it's kind of a funny one for me i think again we're premier here um but is what it is i think in the spirit of fairness if everyone has to qualify that way then there's a standard and you're not you can't be accused of favoring i'm all for everyone having to go through a process and look i think lifters need yeah they need to pay their dues you know yeah, i think in it, order to a bit of that as well um but i i think progression i think it makes it meaningful it's exciting as well um you yeah, know, look, when you've got a new lifter lifters, and you can progress them through the sport, that, you know, yeah. they're hitting goals along the way, yeah, which is really important. Benchmarks and milestones along the way, right? Yeah. So it just makes the whole thing, yeah, just Now, in terms exciting. of going from a national level competition to Worlds, GPC, um, again, is different from the APU. You have to have competed at nationals. Yep. Um, How many people are interested in the GPC from going to a, nas- the na- a national level to a Worlds level, though? Well, I mean, we've had we've sent teams. Yeah, I mean, not I, big I know teams. You, probably the EU went was one of the biggest teams we've sent. I competed in GPC and GPC Worlds in Slovakia in 2012, and there was about a dozen athletes. Easy, more like maybe like 20. Okay, that's cool. That's and there was heaps the, from Queensland and Victoria. Yeah, yeah. I, I know big, that Queen. It I was know a big that trip. In Queensland. I know Scott has really promoted um, Worlds, which is awesome. He's always taking lifters and going and stuff. Um, but that was probably the biggest team that we've sent, I, yeah. I imagine. I am assuming, but 20 um, sounds probably like the biggest I team. I think there was another in 2013. One of the sent. biggest teams. Yeah, it sent. definitely oh. was one of the biggest teams to GPC Awards um, that we've sent. sent. But it is a little bit. Di- in the APU, though, 
Paul, you can probably explain this better than I can. Well, the step from um, a national level to a world's level is very similar from a state's to a national's. Um, obviously, the qualification grade is one step higher. You have to be a minimum of E2. Um, yeah. But the Australian, again, the Australian um, team is selected on the same basis that I would select the state team. You know, there's a maximum number of lifters in, in for men and female with a maximum of two per weight class. So that, that team then makes up the Australian team. So it's very similar. Yeah. Sorry, I just got an email in my inbox. That is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, we can have a look at that later, eh? Yeah. It's about some media coverage. Cool. Cool. All right. Have a look at that. Have a look at it later. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of how a lifter... This, that's kind of the pathway in terms of the federations. There are events outside of the federations which lifters can obviously um, choose to compete in. You yep. know, your invite-only events, your Pro Raw, your Kern, your Boss of Bosses, um, Record Breakers, th- those types of events. Now, look, you know, some of those events are really awesome and some are pretty average. So, again, you need to sort of pick the meets that you feel you would actually like to do that you'd get something out of um if you are lifting in the apu you as soon as you lift in one of those events you're no longer able to be a member of the apu what's the rule on this paulie so so basically um as a apu member you're allowed to compete um in local comps and that means really really means anywhere in australia you can for example you compete at gpc you can compete at gpc nationals you can also compete at um apu nationals but as soon as you go into an international, regional, or invitational, um, you must then resign your membership with APU. Yeah. Yep. So th- we are restricted in terms of once you hit international level. Honestly, honestly though, I know. for 99.9% of people, lifters, that this it's, it's fine. Correct. It's you not know, going to so matter. It's not going to matter. And, and also, if you were... A- if you actually made qualification and went to IPF Worlds, why would you lift in any other federation well, you anyway? Would, would you? Correct. So, yeah, yeah. Now that's kind of how it works. Um, and also, it should be noted. Like I said, yeah, it should be noted as well as if you're not a member of the APU and you do an international meet, a regional, or an invitational outside of the IPF, and you want to join the APU, you have to wait twelve months. Right. There you go. Because fair a, enough. There's a twelve month exclusion. Fair enough. Um, so in terms of those invite only or slash sometimes people call them professional events, you'd have to have a look at the qualifi- qualification process for those events because they all do it a little bit differently. Differently, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you'd have to look at that. But um, that's kind of the progression pathway for lifters. Obviously, that doesn't take into consideration their individual technical and strength abilities, right? That's just how you would progress through the sport. No, we're talking about um, levels of championships. Yeah. Yeah. Look... There is obviously a high correlation between a lifter's strength and technical ability as they progress through the sport. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's obvious. Of but we have seen cases where someone new has come into the sport that hasn't competed that's extremely strong. We've seen this many times. And they would normally progress through the sport very quickly in terms of the pathways because obviously they can hit qualifying totals and, of course, and, yeah. and progress. So how long you spend going through that process can be very different depending on a few factors. Obviously, your, your strength level when you got into the sport is one of them. Of course. Actually, it's probably worth noting as well, um, qualification, the qualification process can also differ depending on if you're, you know, age category. 
So we just discussed opens, for example. Yes, good point. So if you're a master's lifter, um, the qualification um, pathway is a little bit different in the APU. So for example, to get to a national championships in the APU, the master's nationals, um, you don't have to have a qualification total, you just have to have competed. So you just have to have a total yep. in the last, in that, in that sort of that year. Um, and the same is true for Masters Worlds, right? You just have to have competed at the at a national level, um, and then obviously you have to also be selected um, to represent Australia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and obviously the will to go as well. Yeah. <laughs> so GPC is very similar. So in, yeah. the, in the GPC, we have a separate GPC Masters and Teens Nationals, which we're actually going to be holding again in 2020, called Spring Nationals. And to be honest, you actually don't have to have competed at all. You can literally, that can be the only comp you only do for the whole year. Yeah. So there's actually no qualification process at all. You don't even have to have put up a total. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Is that no, I think you... I don't agree with that. I would like to see them have to put up a total at, in a meet. At least a total yeah, somewhere. that's yeah. right. I, I think to qualify for nationals at minimum, you have to have done that. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it kind of devalues the whole national competition. Yeah, do you think they've done that because... Um, just to get people involved in that in yeah. spring nats it's just to provide opportunity people yeah, have yeah. missed out yeah um and also if you think about it um unlike the apu the gpc don't actually have age category competitions throughout the year so no. i think that's probably a good reason too in that you give people that free pathway into age category competition yeah see whereas in the apu even at local meets we have age category, category competition, open category, and we also have Special Olympics at every I meet. agree with having the Special Olympics. I think local competitions, you just have opens. No, I disagree. I, I used to think like you, um, but now that I've, I've been involved with the APU, I actually I like that we have the age categories. I think it definitely makes it um, you know, more in, inclusive for people. Um, you know, and I mean, I've had a, a talk many times with some juniors and masters who can definitely um, hit it out with in the opens and even win it. And I've convinced a lot of them to just lift opens, um, as they should. But uh, but I think I think I think it's a really good thing to have the age category competitions. I've changed my tune on that. I'll, I'll be honest. Look, I don't mind it. I just don't see the point of winning a medal against no one. Yeah, look, it's not about that. It's about it's about allowing people the opportunity to compete, um, but you're know. not disallowing them to compete. No, I I realize that I know that I know that. Look, it's you might feel a bit different when you're 65 and you know your best squat's 120. Yeah, but you're still competing on the same platform in that competition anyway, yeah. so it doesn't actually matter that much. Yeah, I, I get it. I know, I know what you're saying, and it would probably make a big difference as well if there was more depth in the age categories because at least you're competing against. Oh, people. that was, that's a different story. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I'm obviously. All, I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm more for competition, um, which is why, as the state coach, um, if I see that there's an age category with one person in it, and you know the opens is is flooded with people i always try and convince that person that would probably be better for their development if they actually went and lost against um all the people in the open category rather than you know sort of yeah. win against you know themselves yeah and that's that's obviously my job as a state coach is to promote people's um you know pa- passion for competition as opposed to passion for just medals yeah um, so well, we don't have that problem um, in the GPC because well, no, because you locally. don't do it. Yeah, you don't do yeah, it. And so. I, th- I think you do. You, the reason you don't do it is is exactly for that. Just it's is to maintain the the standard of the yeah, competitiveness. The competitiveness yeah. yeah. Um, 
Now, let's go on to a different topic, Paul. Let's let's talk about progression. Um, with, and this is an area that's not done well, if at all. And that's progression for, let's talk about referees and coaches and support staff. Mm-hmm. Now, in any other sport in the world, let's take AFL, for example, right? You have your little your little league. Even soccer. It's the same thing as Anything, soccer. Anything, yeah. Yep. You know, you'll have referees and coaches at um, that have to like you know get a level one coaching ticket, yep. right? Yeah. Um, and that will allow them to coach you know under 15s and under or referee certain games, right? Yep. At that level that they're qualified to coach. Yep. And then as the if if they want to progress through. The, their career in that sport they would then have to go you know and get more educated get more experience and they would go to a level two that level would then allow them to coach and referee the next level. higher level um, competition we don't have that in powerlifting no the only thing we do have is progression with referees categories um, so there is a little bit of that with the refereeing although to be honest it's not done very well yeah look we, we don't have it like um we don't have it officially in powerlifting, um, but you know, like, you know, the number of Instagram followers you have may be some sort of indication that people may <laughs> think of what kind of coach you are. Um, <laughs> in the APU, the APU has been really good in that um, we have introduced, obviously, um, we have state, we obviously have state teams now, which means we have a state coach. A state coach can appoint um, assistant coaches for meets, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, it's fantastic to get other people involved. And also, as a state coach, I can tell you right now that we need the help. Yeah. You know, it's not possible for one person to no. to handle and coach um, so many people. Yeah. There has been a bit of confusion, especially because it's a very new concept. Um, for powerlifting, especially uh, sort of new school anyway, since the state branches have been reintroduced. And there's been some confusion about the role of the state coach. Um, my role isn't to isn't to replace athletes, local coaches. That's not my role at all. My role is to work synergistically with the state, uh, with the local coach, to help the athlete transition into national level competition, um, and then hopefully help them transition again into um, higher level competitions. It's certainly not to replace. No, um, of course The not. local coach. It's and, and it never been my intention it's difficult though because you bring up a good point there that you're there to work with the local coach and one of the things that we have in this country in general is this scarcity mindset where you know local coaches might feel threatened that you're they're handing over their client or their athlete to you in order to help them progress um you know what I mean? Do you understand what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I definitely get to have a sniff of that. And um, I think that's sure. why they might feel a little bit burnt, so to speak. When really, it's in the actual, actually in the best interest of the lifter to progress, not only Correct. in terms of competition, but to the to a coach that can take them to the next level. Look, and so what I've done is I've, um, you know, if when a local coach contacts me, I'm, we obviously work together for the benefit of the actual athlete. Um, mm-hmm. And so, for example, this year, um, if a local coach expressed interest in, um, you know, actually doing some handling and coaching at national level and national championships with their athlete i've done my i've, I've basically done my best to um have them come on and um accommodate them yeah accommodate them within the the coaching staff for the for the state the, the state coaching staff um i'm i'm all for inclusion of local coaches as much as i possibly can we do have limitations on the number of coaches we're allowed in the warm-up rooms and stuff for a particular session depending on how many athletes we have um 
Um, but this year when we had APU Nationals, you know, like the numbers all worked out and I was able to accommodate everyone. Uh, I also think it's important for the local coaches to get um, higher level meet experience, like national level meet experience. Um, and so I'll accommodate them as obviously as best as I can. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that's my role as a state coach as well is to help educate and get as much experience as possible for local coaches as well. Because, yeah. um, and I've, I've spoken this about this at length with some people and everyone knows that New South Wales kicked our ass at nationals. And one of the things that was apparent to me was not only did they have depth and quality in their athletes, but they also had depth and quality in the people handling those athletes yeah and making decisions for and them. so not only yep. d- not only do we have to develop the athlete base we also have to develop the coaching base and that's part of my job as well yeah and i really like the model you know i really i really do and i think that i don't ever think it's going to happen in the gpc because no. of the kind of structure and how it works but i really think it adds value into the apu model and look, the that same progression would exist for you. So then you you would hand over athletes to a world, yeah. So the, you know the, so the, the example, Australian coach, for example. Yeah. So for example, last year we hand uh, you know we um obviously handed over Leo um to the Australian coach. Simple yep. as that. Uh, Ray Owen, who's the Australian coach, and so you know we obviously hand over as much information as we can to Ray and the Australian coaching staff, so that when Leo goes to Worlds, he can be handled to the to the best of everyone's abilities so that's yep. that's what our roles are yeah um i've actually put my hand up for um i've spoken to ray about um doing some international level coaching um so hopefully um next year with you know the popularity of international and regional championships from local athletes we can get the numbers and hopefully i can start doing some international um level coaching as well which i'm really excited about yeah um which I think would be freaking awesome, to be honest. Um, so yeah, that that should be good. Yeah, and that's progression, personal progression. For exactly, me, right? as a coach, progression needs to happen at all levels with everyone involved in the sport because that's how the sport gets better. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people focus too much on things that perhaps don't help the sport grow in unison. You know, um, and I think that appointing the state coach model actually is a great idea i really like it like i said that will i don't think that would ever happen in the gpc just because of the way it's structured um but it would be awesome to have a state state representation at nationals where you actually had a team that was unified yeah um and you had a state coach with appointed staff that were responsible for that team now i can say that um you talked about like in other sports how they have like you know they have coaching courses and stuff. Yeah. Now there is obviously um, uh, an NCAS, a natural, the National Coaching Accreditation Scheme Level One Powerlifting course, which was designed by Rob Rob at, uh, at Powerlifting Australia. Um, and I've done that course, and many people have done that course. But I know that um, APU will be developing their own um, sort of elementary introductory coaching course. Yeah. And then they're also going to have other coaching courses on top of that. And so that will also um, go towards, you know, elevation of coaching status. Yeah, and I think that's like. an important part of the progression as well. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Are they going to... Yeah. Look, it's... it's yeah. It's, that obviously would only apply to the APU. If GPC Correct. wanted to do something similar, they would have to do their own sort of... Uh, come up with their own model. 
Look, yeah, un- unless there was a governing, like the, with the, the NCAS course is really a, a course yeah. designed at, you know, the level of government, if you like. Yeah, I know. Um, for the sport of powerlifting. So it's different in, in GPC. I know. I, I can't see the GPC honoring such a course. No, look, it's it doesn't really apply to the GPC. Obviously, with the APU, because it's the IPF affiliate and because, you know, they are trying to position themselves for ASC funding, it's obviously important to have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted. And that would include but, some sort of structure and progression. But sports for have structure and progression. Absolutely, of course they do. You know, um, yeah. powerlifting is one of those sports that's divided with multiple federations, but only yeah. one of those federations can have the backing of the government, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's not just it's backing; it's recognition as the sport. Yeah, that's uh, what it is. Yeah, it's not, sporting recognition. Yeah, that's all good and well, but then you're starting to sound like those other assholes who don't recognise GPC. I'm just telling you as how it a is. legitimate federation. I'm just telling sport. you how it is. That's all I'm saying. Um, of course, um, powerlifting is more than one federation. Um, that goes without saying. Yeah. No, I know. I know what you're. I know what you're saying. But yeah, just yeah. Okay, mate. This guy. Um, look, but also on top of that, you know, that's for coaching. Yeah. And referees, we do have some sort of category or and there always system. has been one, even for like even G, obviously the GPC have different levels levels of yeah, um, so refereeing. Again, though, it's done a little bit different from the APU in GPC. The local delegate, so me here in WA, we're responsible for the referees. I don't have a referees coordinator or a technical coordinator or anything like that. I'm pretty much responsible yeah. for everything. Um, so in order to be a Category 1 referee, that would allow you to side referee at a local state championships. Okay. Um, you need to sit the exam. There's a referee exam. Obviously, you have to have read the rule book a couple of times. You have to sit the exam. And then after you've sat the exam, I'll normally sit down with someone and go through any questions that they had some problems with. There is a pass mark, so yet there's a certain grade you have to make in the exam. From there, I'll sort of make you a category one, but I'll be trialing you in a local novice comp before I actually put you onto a GPC platform. And so we kind of progress and educate the referees through that process. Um, Once someone has been a category one referee for a period of time and I feel that they're ready, I can literally just upgrade them to category two where they can then head ref at a state championships um and then the category three referee um is it takes a little bit longer and that's what we would term a national level referee and where you want more level so cat, cat three is the highest in australia so it's national level referee I'm a, I'm a cat three where i can literally head referee and side referee anything in australia and i can um, do national records yep and i can side referee world records category four is the next step that's our world level referees and that's done a little bit differently you have to have um, worked with the world referee um, and sat and sat the international exam and actually yep. you get examined at a world championships yep so it's a little bit more difficult to get a category four but to be honest locally here we don't need category fours unless we're running a nationals and we need a head referee yeah um, so yeah so that's I mean it's it, that's kind of how the leveling system works I can upgrade someone from cat one to cat three I have that power based on how, how they perform on the chair in the APU, though, it's a little bit different, Paulie. Um, there are so well, it is a bit different. Um, there, basically, we have state a state level referee, which is you know you do your first um, you do your first exam and practical at a local meet, and you get your state um, state level referee ticket if you like. And then the next level on that is the national level referee. So you do an exam and you perform a practical at a national level. 
Um, and then obviously you have the CAT referees, which are the world level referees, which similarly you have to sit exams and practicals at world level. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that sort of progression actually exists for referees right now. Yeah. Um, it obviously is a volunteer role. And to be honest, it's it's definitely a role that we need lots of hands with because it is difficult sometimes finding enough hands to actually make a comp run. So if you are interested in becoming a qualified referee, which is also great for your own lifting, and if you are a coach as well, it pays to be a qualified ref because it means you're going to understand the rule book better and then how that would apply to your lifters in competition. So it actually pays to be a qualified referee. Yeah, it's, it's very useful. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's free to do, obviously. Yeah. You don't have to pay to do it. Um, you can either contact Paul or myself locally here in WA or you can speak to your um, appropriate representative of the federation you're involved in in your state. In APU, you would speak to Dion Stewart, who's the state officiating manager. There you APU. go. Well, I don't have a state officiating manager for the Maybe GPC. you should get one, yo. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I'm thinking about getting a state. I need a state PA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. So there, I mean, we've kind of covered referees, um, which already have some form of level of progression. Which is cool. Yeah. Coaches is a little bit looser, um, but the APU is trying to put something in place. Um, and obviously with lifting, we do have a progression for a platform for progression through the sport uh, it is slightly different in the federations yeah yeah look i think that's pretty much what we wanted to cover i i guess we did have a question from brett about how and what our progression would be in terms of our i guess personal in terms of like our own coaching and our own events that we run as meet directors and um paul I'll let you start with this one. Oh, here we go <laughs> Okay, so I thought, first of all, I want to say thank you to Brett for asking this question. <laughs> it's a good question. Most people don't ask us this question. They're more interested in asking questions that directly um, <laughs> yeah. affect them, um, which is fine. I get it. Um, but I've thought about this, and obviously there's a few different areas. You know, obviously we're not, we're not all just one-dimensional, right? No. So I've got a few different pathways, which I'm, I'm sort of like looking at right now. I suppose the first one is, um, so my, co- my coaching um, so obviously currently I'm um, a representative for the APWA as, as a state level or, or the state coach, which is great. I have a lot of fun doing it. Um, and I've, as I've already said in this, um, in this podcast, I've already actually spoken to Ray and Sean about um, getting involved at an international level for coaching. Um, and um, I think, yeah, they've been, they've been great about it. And if obviously there's enough demand... For, um, Hopefully, I'll get the call up and do some international level coaching, which is great for my coaching. Nice um, progression, which absolutely. Is good. Um, in terms of my personal lifting slash training, um, right now I'm training for ICN season A. Um, so Bodybuilding. We'll see where that takes. No, physique and classic. <laughs> so we'll see that. I'm actually having a lot of fun, man. Like. It's, it's good fun. And I, I like hard training. So like it's hard training. So it's good fun. Um, we'll see where that takes me. Um, maybe nationals. That'll be good. And there is worlds as well, but we'll see what happens. Um, and after that, I haven't really thought too much about, I sort of just want to get through this prep and not have a, have a good time and try and obviously put up, put on the best physique that I can, um, on stage. Um, so if anyone wants to come down and watch April 18 at the at Optus Stadium, Season <laughs> A ICN, 
nice. physique and classic I'll be there physique and classic categories I'll be there um, in terms of my in terms of the business say like let's not events let's talk about events because that's something I'm sort of passionate about as well um, directing events um, obviously this year was my first opportunity to direct a national level event which was um, I think was successful I think it was pretty good it was pretty good pretty good um, so as a meet director I would like definitely like to take the next step in um well i would certainly like to get more national level um you know yeah. be involved in more national level events yep um because i think that's important um i think it's important for the federation in wa to have national level events here which means there's more opportunity for people in wa to compete at a national level yep um which means then we develop our athlete base, our coaching base, 100%. you know, we, we get better. Absolutely. And then I would like to be involved in um, sort of regional level championships where where's you know, Asia Pacific's, Oceanas, those type, Oceanas and those types of levels. And then one day I would like to meet Director Worlds. Yeah. Wow, that would be cool. That That's would be cool. My goal. Yeah. Look, I guess for me personally, obviously uh, with my coaching um with like similar to paul obviously the pathway is a little bit different we don't have that kind of structured pathway yeah i've already coached at eight nationals i've been to a world and done a bit of coaching um you know so the pathway is a little bit different but like paul definitely progression through the sport um in terms of coaching is important and obviously for our own coaching that we do paul and i coach a fairly big team of lifters and i guess in terms of that side of it paul and i are slowly starting to work with higher and higher level lifters um and it's it's getting to the point now where we're starting to feel the pinch a little bit because we actually have a fairly big roster yeah so that we might be implementing a change sometime over the next six months um, in terms of our coaching and we're going to be drawing a line in the sand um and really being quite specific with the type of lifter that we work with. But we're going to be expanding our coaching team to accommodate Correct. everyone. So we, we will be expanding our coaching team so that we can still work with anyone who wants to be involved in the sport of powerlifting or just get stronger. Exactly. But the line in the sand for Paul and I will, will change slightly just based on our on demand and obviously the progression that we want to take in our own coaching exactly um but more on that a little bit later though in terms of lifting for me well i'm the last comp i did was two and i was two and a half years ago i had a bit of a couple of injuries i'm just started training again now obviously i've been on and off for that two and a half year period right now i just want to get back into training i would love to try and compete at spring nats next year if i could compete at spring nats next year that would be awesome so next year we have spring nationals here in november and I think that's a really good target for me to try and compete. I don't at. think many people know about that because um, I had Luke contact me the other day asking us if we've got spring nets or or something to that effect. And I'm like, yeah, man, like we do have spring nets next year. Yeah. So in terms of spring nets, I'm actually waiting for my graphic, the graphic designer, to come back from holidays, and then we'll be finalising all the new artwork, and then we'll be releasing all the information for spring nets, um, and the website will be released as well with preliminary information so that's going to be happening sometime over the next couple of months 
So watch out for that. So look, as a meet director, Paul and I, look, at the end of the day, we we do run these meets together, even though Paul is the figurehead for the APU and I'm the figurehead for GPC. Yeah. It's still our gym. We still run all this together. So together, we're kind of on the same progression path there. Um, we've already run a couple of nationals here. We've run teen juniors, masters, equipped single lift nationals for the GPC in 2018. Next year, we have spring nats, which is the same meet again. I guess the next step in terms of GPC would then be to host and run a GPC Open Nationals, which I would love to. Um, and we'd love to to have that right here at Rooch's Gym. Let's be real. It's the best venue for it. Um, we can, you know, we've proven time and time again that we can do the job. Um, and I actually think the GPC members want it, to be honest. So I would actually love to have a GPC Open Nationals here. So, But we'll see what happens. Next year, it's in Frankston. And the year after is still up for grabs, but I'm pretty sure that Scott wants to try and host it in Brisbane, but I'm also happy to have it here at Rucci's gym. 2021 Perth. That'd be crazy. So what I'd like to have is 2020 Spring Nats as sort of a, a, a springboard then for Open Nationals the following year. That would be cool. I think that's pretty fair and I think you deserve it. Yeah, anyway, we'll see what happens. Um, but look, in terms of the events we run, you can see over the years that we've progressed the quality of the events, you know. Um, we're at our fourth venue the venue itself has progressed so yeah these are even progression in the venues (laughs) that's right so you you can see that there's a natural progression for everything that everyone does there's got to be i think it's when people stop growing um that's when they lose interest that you know you need to continue pushing yourself and growing and trying to um take the next step otherwise what's the challenge yourself daniel exactly challenge yourself exactly that's pretty much all I and have to And just putting it out that. there, I've got my first posing um, class on Friday, one-on-one. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be challenging. I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm a bit anxious about it because it's not something like yeah, you know, we do or, you know, like, so I'm a bit anxious about it. But, you know, I am looking forward to it though. And, you know, <laughs> it's fun. It's, you know. Yeah, yeah. What do you have to wear? Oh, he just... Oh just shorts you know um, yeah. yeah board shorts or something very cool very cool look i think we covered everything we wanted to um you know it was really just to try and give more people some information on how their progression pathway might look through the sport so hopefully that's helped i mean i would suggest as well talking to either you or me in regards to the apu or gbc if you yeah. need more inf- specific information about your situation yeah absolutely yeah yeah that would be the best way. Correct. I mean, we already work personally with our clients on these the pathways, um, you know, and how yeah, that's and, right. And the so steps involved and what they have so to do. So Paul and I work real, quite closely with our team um, in terms of pathways. You know, what events, timing of those events, yeah. qualification process, totals, what they need, how we work towards it. Exactly. That's done on an individual basis, individual basis with each lifter. Yeah. We do have spots open in our roster for competitive powerlifters. So if you do want to get coached by Paul or I, get in touch. We'd love to love to hear I from mean, you. We're at Ruchi Gym. We've probably got one of the best tools that you could possibly have to bring someone through the sport of powerlifting. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> all right, Paul, let's wrap it up. We're just under an hour. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank we'll you very much. speak to you all later. Have Thank a great you. day. Ciao. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Ruchi Strengthcast. Be sure to subscribe to join us on the journey and for more information, visit ruchisgym.com.